0: The B-Rad podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone, Brad's macadamia masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, chili pad, temperature-controlled mattress systems, inside tracker, blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one. And New Optimal, three nootropic supplements designed to improve focus, memory, and drive. And check out the BradKearns.com shop page, my personal selection of favorite products with great discounts for health, fitness, and peak performance. A habit must be established before it can be improved upon. Really, it's not about sitting down at the computer for eight hours a day. I don't know too many people that can do that. Uh, maybe no one. If we consume a lot of those foods that are very low in protein, we're going to continue to eat them and eat them and eat them because we have not yet met our protein needs. I want to tell you about Inside Tracker an awesome new ultra-personalized nutrition and lifestyle program that combines data from your comprehensive blood panels, genetic test results, and lifestyle and fitness data from a Fitbit, for example, and organizes everything into one super cool online portal of your personal health. I am just getting going with this, and it's awesome. It has everything in one spot. For every blood result, you can click on a blog post or watch a video to learn more about these values. It's a great education in general health and self-quantification, and it was developed by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard. The patented inside tracker algorithm calculates your so-called inner age, and it shows each biomarker as either optimized, needs to improve, or at risk. And then you can take precise corrective action with a science-backed plan to reach your performance goals. Oh, mercy, people! On my first round of testing, guess what my inner age was? 62! Shocker! Because I just turned 56. I'm sorry. You know what? When I delivered that blood test, I believe I was a little overtired, and several of my biomarkers were deemed to be subpar. So I made some changes as directed. I recovered better, rested, went back, and delivered way better numbers at the next blood test. The Insight Tracker motto is... Change is an inside job, and that is for real. You gotta keep tabs on this stuff to be at your best. And they have an amazing deal just for BRAD podcast listeners. They are gonna give away a grand prize of fifteen hundred dollars in Inside Tracker value. So to enter, all you have to do is go to InsideTracker.com/slash. Brad Pod, B R A D P O D. Check it out right now at the link and enter the contest. Hi, listeners. Welcome to part two of Brad's complete daily routine, fitness, food, fun, focus, and more. I hope you listened to part one. We covered in detail waking up in the morning. Uh, striving for consistent bedtime and awakening habits. And then, of course, my award-winning morning exercise routine, talking about the rationale and the benefits for doing that. Uh, we also then talked about the various workout options that I indulge in uh, on certain days of the week after the morning routine, sometimes nothing, getting straight into uh, the workday and what have you. Uh, But we covered six uh, main categories of workouts that uh, comprise my my, my training regimen, uh, that would be sprinting or jumping practice at the track, the big one, uh, some home-based sessions that I do with the X3 bar, the stretch cords, the hexagonal deadlift bar, and the pull-up bar, providing all the options I need, uh, the big five workout as detailed on my podcast with Dr. Doug McGuff when I'm going to the gym and doing these single sets to complete muscular failure on five major uh, full-body functional movements. Uh, And then some other things like uh, my quick sprint workout on the Carroll stationary bike or playing speed golf. And so those were my options that I covered in detail. And we're still in the morning hours and we ran out of time. We done ran out of time and had to save the rest for part two. And in part two, oh my gosh, I mean, it's time to get to work after all that. Uh, So I'm starting into the workday Uh, opening up that laptop, the ceremonial opening of the laptop screen to get going and get into it, hopefully with good success and focus. But as you'll learn on this authentic, open and honest show, sometimes there's a little bit of uh, drifting and things that I still need to work on works in progress. So in any case, I'm either starting my official workday after the 40-minute morning routine, and a little putzing around here and there, preparing myself my kombucha drink or what have you, uh, maybe doing some minor household chores and then finally getting into it. Or uh, I'm starting the workday after the morning routine plus uh, one of the workout choices that I detailed in the first show. And if that's the case, then time is really ticking here because, again, I'm not waking up at uh, zero dark 30 dawn. I'm usually waking up between 7.15 and 7.45 year round. That's a pretty tight window there, but it implies or it ensures that I get a ton of sleep. So I'm usually sleeping right around that magical nine hour mark, which... Uh, A lot of people that might seem ridiculous or extensive, but I really have discovered that that's pretty much what I need, especially when I'm trying to uh, deliver some impressive exercise output over the course of the week, the months, and the years that are uh, clicking away. So I do think I would probably get away and benefit, uh, be fine with less sleep if I wasn't working out uh, to that point where uh, I'm, I'm pretty much pushing my the limits of my capabilities. So there it is, nine hours of sleep, then that 40-minute template, then a workout. Uh, if you're adding well at home, uh, we're talking about getting into the, the nines, the 9.30s, uh, even the 10 o'clock if there was something going on, uh, just tending to duties or whatever. And so there's a little bit of uh, pressure and intensity built up if I haven't started my workday uh, until kind of uh, deep into the morning. And I wish I could say at that point when I do flip the lid that I go into my cave and start cranking away with peak cognitive performance. Uh, But this is also a a weak area because when I do uh, flip that lid and engage with the world, connect with the internet, uh, a lot of times I'm going into kind of uh, routine tasks or Uh, house cleaning, things of that nature. Let's say uh, looking at the flights on the wonderful Southwest Airline website for an upcoming trip, or maybe there was some stuff I wanted to order on Amazon. Interesting food items, supplements, fitness equipment, apparel on eBay, used pair of shoes. I don't know what. Let's see, what do I order? Oh my gosh, talk about an open, honest, authentic show. Let's just jump right in there. Unfiltered commentary about Stuff Brad orders on Amazon.com and eBay. Okay, here we go. Order history. Oh, all-natural handcrafted gourmet black licorice. Yes, I had licorice on my epic Cactus to Clouds hike, the 13-hour hike on the single most difficult hiking trail in the United States of America, maybe the world in Palm Springs, California, and uh, with John and Philip, my boys, and they told me to eat all day long. It totally worked. And uh, licorice was especially enjoyable. So I stocked up for the next epic hike. Here is a bottle of... Whey protein. I'm doing some taste testing in development of my own fantastic, amazing super fuel product coming soon. Here's another pull up bar that I'm going to install a few inches off to. Gro- Off the ground to do the Nordic hamstring curls, uh, some coconut cream for use in my smoothies, some healthy dog treats, some nasal strips for using in the evening to make sure I breathe through my nose as well as during workouts, Uh, another kind of skin serum since Ben Greenfield stopped making his epic, fantastic product. Now I have to go find something else. Uh, I bought Ben Patrick's new book, The Knees Over Toes Guy. It's called Knee Ability Zero. Oh my gosh, scrolling, strolling. Look at all this stuff. I love it though, because that means I'm not going into stores. Here's the book, The Oxygen Advantage. I purchased that as a gift. Here's a helmet mirror for bicycles. One of my most common gifts that I give people because I want them to be safe out there on the road. Here is a wooden slant board to help with my stand-up desk experience standing at an angle and getting that nice calf stretch for a long time. More healthy dog treats. These are freeze-dried beef liver snacks oh my gosh the dog loves them uh a replacement case for my airpods pro uh, which i lost on the running trail one day uh here are some plastic bags for traveling see-through plastic bags yeah they're kind of like makeup bags and you can see everything that's inside i love taking those putting them in my backpack i yank one out and i can see everything that's in there here is a dorm room refrigerator, birthday gift from my nephew. Here's some more shredded coconut. Here's some ancestral supplements products. Here is a massage ball, the vibrating massage ball. I love those hyperice things. Here's some special golf tees that I use, some athletic tape, uh, some mini bands for doing the stretches, uh, another uh, blood glucose meter and test strips for fun at home to calibrate with my NutriSense. Uh, CGM that goes on the arm uh, to make sure they're super accurate and dial that in. And on and on we go. On eBay, oh my goodness, let's see what's here. Uh, Another vibrating massage ball purchased as a gift. Uh, Some used running shoes. I talked about those puffy, super padded shoes I used on the hike as sort of a uh, alternative strategy to what I usually use, which are the minimalist shoes. I'm especially loving my Zero shoes that I got from Steven Sashen, podcast guest. Fantastic product. I'm using them all the time now. Here's a couple more used uh, apparel, athletic apparel items, uh, tight fitting shirts for doing uh, sprint workouts and high jumping. I don't like to have billowing uh, t shirts on. Uh, here's a, a unique pair of Vibram 5 fingers that has a carbon fiber. Seoul. I believe they came from Europe because I've never seen them for sale. Uh, some more athletic apparel used Himalayan salt lamp. That's a gift, a uh, bunch of high jump stickers to put on my laptop, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if that was a interesting detour or a weird one, but back into the mix and how I'm describing uh, the potential for distraction when I start my workday. How about that? Potential for distraction while I'm making a podcast about being distracted at the start of my workday. So I'm really interested in this subject and I have a commitment to improve, improve, uh, but it still seems to be a challenge. And when I hear uh, great commentary from guys like Andrew Huberman on the Huberman Lab podcast, and he talks about striving for these two 90-minute bursts per day of peak cognitive performance. So he cites research that we are good to go for about 90 minutes, after which we really require a cognitive break. And if we don't take one, one will be taken for us. We will start to zone out, drift out, uh, start processing things With less uh, capability. So, if you can kind of step into the workday, realizing that you're probably only good for that total at your best, that really seems doable. It seems feasible. But the trick is that you really have to shut out the outside world and go deep for 90 minutes, uh, one stint in the morning, and perhaps another stint. Uh, after a break, maybe after the midday break, lunch break, whatever, and then you go and crank away again for another 90 minutes. That's only three hours a day of really peak and focused cognitive output. But when you break it down, and I will definitely validate this when I think about the process of writing books, which I've been immersed in nonstop for probably the last uh, 15 or 16 or 17 years, Um, to get that book done. Really, it's not about sitting down at the computer for eight hours a day. I don't know too many people that can do that. Uh, Maybe no one. Uh, And if you can get in uh, two good 90-minute bursts of proper writing and research and and deep work onto a manuscript, that is a fantastic day. That's plenty to strive for and aspire to. So Huberman's talking about the two times 90 minute gaps. Uh, There's a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. He actually has a podcast now. And his theory is that whew, the world is you know, overwhelming us with constant digital stimulation and potential for distraction. And so we have to embrace this idea of getting into deep work and shutting out the outside world and really focusing and concentrating. And the better we get at this, the greater advantage we will have to rise above in the competitive career and workplace setting to be someone truly special. And so young listeners, people who are you know on that career path and uh, striving for more and more and climbing up to the highest heights and uh, pursuing the highest expression of their talents uh, throughout their career would be the dream for everyone, right? He says, the more you can do that, the more you will distinguish yourself from all of us and all the influences that make us just merely reactive humans all day long. So we're just spending the whole day uh, interacting with uh, text messaging emailing, uh, responding to phone calls, whatever. And I know that's the core uh, responsibility for a lot of people that they are there to react all day long. But for those of us that have the opportunity to use our creative potential, use our creative energy and produce something special, we have to get into this, uh, strategy, this mode of deep work. And Cal Newport provides all kinds of tips and tricks, uh, to facilitate this. And uh, you can listen to some of those on his podcast or get into the book. Uh, my former podcast guest, Seth Godin, the marketing guru, author of This Is Marketing, author of The Dip, and many other best-selling books, gave me one of the most memorable quips I've ever had delivered to me on the show during some Q&A when I mentioned how, uh, gee, I'm trying to concentrate on writing a book, and I seem to be uh, easily distracted by the email inbox. Do you have any suggestions for this, Seth? And he said, yeah, turn that shit off and get the work done. The work is too important. Oh, I love that quote. And think about that as we go through our days and as we fritter around and indulge in instant screen entertainment or whatever whatever other diversions we're engaged in. Hey, maybe you're on a a plan to transform your diet, transform your physique, and you get diverted by the allure of a pint of ice cream sitting there in the freezer, or you can get in your car and drive six minutes over to Baskin-Robbins. And let's think about that quote and apply that in other directions. Same with your fitness endeavors. The work is too important. Your goals are too important. Your health is too important. And see if we can recalibrate that. So I think about that quote all the time. Just turn it off. That was his answer. He didn't give me any, Tips about setting a timer or turning on the device that uh, shuts down your internet for 20 minute periods at a time and then you turn it back on. It's just turn that shit off, get the work done. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Another great book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. And he's had uh, a very popular blog for a long time with productivity peak performance tips. And he describes how there are four uh, requirements to. Uh, succeed with habit change. One of them is to make it obvious. Number two, make it attractive. Number three, make it easy. And number four, make it satisfying. And so if we take the simple example of uh, you wish you could uh, work out more or get more exercise going, such as the goal of uh, adding micro workouts to your day. So obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying would be putting a kettlebell in plain sight. And this is important, not things stored away in a drawer or far away from you, but there's a kettlebell right there in your office that you can look at at all times. Or on my show with Dude Spellings, he described how, he places the hexagonal deadlift bar in the way right in the path of the door to and from his office so that every time he leaves his office uh, to go to the restroom or get a snack or get a, uh, another pad of post it notes from the the storage cupboard he has to step through his hexagonal deadlift bar and of course execute a single set uh, of deadlift and that will happen several times a day so obvious attractive attractive could be that you know that you're only doing a single set so you're not interrupting your busy day with a 20 minute workout because that's been recommended and isn't that great. No, it's just a, a 30 second effort that's easy to do. And so that's number three, um, it's attractive, it's easy. And then finally, it's satisfying. So when you throw these things in, when you sprinkle these things in, you get that instant payoff, that instant gratification that it feels good to breathe hard a little bit and mix up uh, prolonged periods of stillness and inactivity. Uh, So that's how to build in a good habit. And if you want to get rid of a bad habit, you just invert the aforementioned uh, four elements, obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. So we replace easy with hard, And we replace the other ones with the 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 inverse and make things tough. So if you're trying to uh, stay away from the pint of ice cream that's in your freezer, guess what? Get it out of your freezer. Do not bring it into the home. Uh, Make it very difficult, and maybe put in some uh, consequences and repercussions uh, if you need to, uh, such as accountability partners and things like that. I think you get the the point there, and so. uh, Another thing that CLEAR recommends doing is uh, conduct this exercise called a habit scorecard. And that would be uh, sitting down with a pad of paper and kind of describing what you do throughout the day and making a scoreboard to identify. Uh, both good habits and bad habits. I guess that's what this exercise is all about when I'm uh, making a show about my daily habits and routines. By by doing so, I'm illuminating uh, the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. And then finally, I love this one. Uh, he calls it the two-minute rule. And that is uh, the idea that a habit must be established before it can be improved upon. So when we're looking at this uh, friction, this difficulty in uh, getting going with a regular, sustained exercise program or transforming diet to eliminate uh, the junk foods and the things that you identify you you want to you want to turn the corner on, um, you have to make it so easy and so doable that it truly does land in the category of habit, and then you can aspire to build upon that success. So I talk about the morning routine all the time, um, boasting about how it's now extended up to 40 minutes. And isn't that great for me? But guess what? First, I had to integrate the act of getting out of bed and exercising immediately into habit. So as I mentioned on the first show, this habit began with a very easy 12 minute sequence rather than the Uh, pretty difficult 40-minute sequence that it has evolved into today. Uh, If this 12-minute is too much for you to ask, too much to ask in the morning, hey, take a two-minute commitment, and say, I'm gonna wake up and get out of bed and do the yoga sun salute sequence of stretches where you raise your hands over your head, you sweep them down, uh, you sweep them halfway up to tabletop, you sweep up again. It's very common. You can look at it on YouTube or anything that takes two minutes and do that and build some momentum. Do it for a week in a row, do it for a month in a row. And when you have this two minute morning exercise habit locked in, then you can strive to uh, expand it, modify it, and intensify your commitment. A habit must be established before it can be improved. And I think, oh my gosh, so many of us uh, uh, get tripped up here by setting ourselves up for failure by uh, throwing down these amazing goals and we're all good at writing down goals and specifying our goals and being uh, you know diligent uh, with this exercise. But then if the goal is too daunting, and it uh, fizzles before it can be uh, integrated into true habit. And habit is that automatic behavior that you don't have to think about. You don't have to use willpower, creativity, or any of these uh, great forces that we can harness. You just do it without thinking about it. And the obvious examples are uh, brushing your teeth and all the rest of them fastening your seatbelt. Okay, so enough about that and let's see. Uh, I'm trying to get into it to start my day and on a good day, here's how it looks let's say the camera crew is coming over to film a day in the life of Brad Kern. So let's see what happens. Oh, look at that great morning exercise routine he does. And then very shortly, he's up at his stand up desk cranking away. And one thing that gets me uh, focused is an appointment for a podcast interview, right? So I know that at 9am, I'm going to start uh, on the very day that I'm recording this. I had an amazing conversation with Dr. Dom D'Agostino, expert on the ketogenic diet. And so I I'm on a roll having finished that recording. I'm standing here in the studio. It's all set up. Uh, The microphone is still plugged in. And so I will flow into recording another show. Uh, I also, when I'm in the, the mode here of recording, I will do all the peripheral work necessary to produce the show, publish the show at the same time. And that would be, for example, recording an introduction as I uh, tee up the guest. I'm not going to do it a day later or two days later. I'm highly incentivized to get into the mix when everything is still fresh in my brain. And then secondly, that includes uh, writing the written descriptions and uh, setting up everything else and transitioning uh, this material over to the team, the dream team uh, to continue the flow to the final published product. So uh, I think that's really important. I think it's easier on the brain too, when you stay focused on uh, whatever project you're working on and bring it to some uh, completion or resolution rather than having a bunch of loose ends. Uh, now that can't always be done, right? We can't completely uh, finish one project and then move to the other and then finish that one and move to the next just to the nature of uh, for most of us the uh, crazy dynamic workplace that we're um, we've evolved to today and so in those examples i will say that i do a very good job uh, writing down and keeping track of the loose ends that i need to complete so i use the notes program on apple system and so I can enter items onto my to-do list either on my laptop or on my phone and the material uh, transfers over. So that's great. When I'm on the go, I can add to the, uh, the list. And when I'm here in the office in headquarters, I can also add, subtract, revise, edit the list that's going uh, to mobile device. Uh, So that's really nice to just uh, keep track of the things that you have to do that you can't get done right away. And uh, also key, I think, to the success of this strategy is to refer to it frequently and keep it in nice uh, top shape, edited. uh, The things that you've done are off your list. It's not a uh, ragtag haphazard list, but it's very active and functional. So if I'm not uh, staying in perfect uh, linear progression from task to task at least i know uh, what's ahead of me uh, later and i would really love to say that uh, i could write down all the low priority stuff uh, that come into my head, uh, you know, first thing in the morning or whatever, and then do them later because there's a lot of recommendations. It's a very strong recommendation that when you're in your peak focus, that's when you should do your hardest and most meaningful work, and then save the airplane reservations for uh, later. For example, in the afternoon, when a lot of us experience an energy dip and are best suited to lower cognitive demand tasks than uh, our best stuff our best material uh, but a lot of times i'm uh, jumping the gun here and i'm shopping on amazon when i'm alert and energized rather than doing it when i'm uh, drifting away at whatever time of day where i've you know i've had it and I've, um, I've i've drained my cognitive energy so that would be nice and that's a goal is to kind of uh, maintain a strict Uh, focus on uh, prioritization so that the low-demand stuff can just get written down and taken care of later, and that's a work in progress. Okay, so uh, on the good day, I'm in the studio recording podcasts, uh, finishing all the peripheral uh, information that I need to do to kind of package the show and pass it off in good shape. And a lot of times will flow into uh, further recording. So in other words, batching my time at the microphone rather than uh, plugging in uh, in haphazard manner. Okay, so recording is one uh, major area of focus and emphasis, and the other one is to uh, open up the laptop lid and start cranking on a manuscript, because I've been basically uh, involved in a book project of one form or another, nonstop, for about 16 years in a row with zero break. So once one book was completed, the other book is uh, somewhere in the starting phase, and then there's another deadline facing me. Uh, Don't ask me how I backed myself into uh, this kind of corner, Uh, but it is a nice, it's been a nice journey because I feel like um, very fulfilled. It's a great challenge, and you could call that uh, one of the highest expressions of my talents and uh, unique contributions so uh, i'm a book writer Uh, however unlike many writers uh, this is not a complete focus and devotion i have all kinds of other stuff going and have had that Going for this entire time that I've been immersed in book writing. Um, this would be uh, marketing and editing and, and doing all manner uh, when we were running Primal Blueprint Publishing. And so not only was I writing a book, I was editing and uh, working with other authors as we published uh, books from other writers uh, during that time at Primal Blueprint Publishing. Uh, where we're also involved in different things like planning and executing. Uh, live retreats. Um, I was always have always been creating audio and video content over that time as well, and assorted other things, uh, and marketing products, things like that, developing products, just as I'm doing now. So that puts me in kind of a unique situation where I'm not that guy with the scarf around my neck and the steaming hot coffee, looking out uh, at the uh, at the falling snow from my secret mountain cabin as I crank out another manuscript. It's always been uh, kind of mixing and matching. And that's possibly uh, a good thing because I don't feel like uh, I'm burnt out on the process. I can't imagine sitting down and just having to write all day long. Uh, It would probably be um, a whole different realm that maybe doesn't match my personality as well. So I like to be involved in different things, And take on different types of challenges. Um, It's been been extremely challenging to get the Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece Nut Butter to market in so many ways and so many moving parts uh, from the initial development of the product to finding a partner to uh, produce the product and deal with all the uh, logistics and moving parts of becoming uh, a vendor on amazon.com, building and designing a Website, all that fun stuff. And so if my brain gets to go there for a certain portion of the day, then when I sit down and uh, focus on the task of writing a book, it comes with a little bit of balance there where if that was all I was doing, uh, that might be uh, a tough, uh, a tough challenge for me, more so than moving from one thing to the next. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not sure that's good advice for anyone who's an aspiring writer. There's probably a Easier way or a more efficient way to uh, follow that path. Uh, but I will say that um, th- the one thing I've learned when people ask me for advice. Uh, about writing is uh, be careful uh, taking advice from others and never, ever get intimidated or discouraged by hot shots. Do what works for you. Because I have been a member of the audience uh, listening to a prominent writer uh, give advice that comes off as a little uh, haughty and condescending because you're already listening to someone who's super successful and they're telling you uh, that this is how it goes. And if you, if you don't like it uh, and you can't wake up, up at five in the morning and write for five hours straight until 10 in the morning, um, it's probably not going to work out. And, um, that's just not, uh, really helpful advice. So I think, uh, anyone's capable of stepping up and, uh, making an effort in the way that you see fit. And that works for you. Greetings, my fitness minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content. Content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high intensity interval training and high intensity repeat training strategies amazing home-based fitness education for you and you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. I'm pleased to present B Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine, are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean, and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews, or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. And so for me, it's been to juggle a bunch of different products while I had a book going on in the background. So too bad for anyone who doesn't like that, right? Get what I'm saying here? Just go with the flow and uh, do what works for you and do what feels right is kind of my my message here. Now, I will put in a plug at this time for finding your calling and doing something that's incredibly challenging and taps into uh, your unique uh, talents, interests, and passions. Uh, because I feel like we're immersed in a world now where we're, we have the potential to be constantly entertained and stimulated to the extent that we really don't create anything uh, of of meaningful value ourselves. We're just a consumer of information and entertainment. Uh, This was highlighted in Dr. Robert Lustig's book, The Hacking of the American Mind. He was my guest on the podcast where he was mainly talking about his most recent book, Metabolical, but that book uh, touched me deeply. It was incredibly well-written, and he was talking about how uh, the various indulgences that we have today uh, flood the dopamine pathways of the brain at the expense of the serotonin, oxytocin pathways, uh, the other neurotransmitters that uh, provide the sensations of uh, rich, satisfying, meaningful life. And the dopamine pathways, of course, are relating to uh, instant gratification, motivation toward instant gratification as being our driving force rather than uh, lighting up the other pathways which have more long-lasting richness and satisfaction. Brain research reveals that the way to experience a rich and meaningful life comes from persevering through challenges by using skills you've worked really hard to develop to solve a problem or create something of beauty. That's my quote, paraphrasing from numerous sources, and uh, pulling together a lot of that research. But we humans like to take on challenges. We like to try to conquer our environment, conquer the challenges, feel a sense of satisfaction, but it's persevering through struggle that is where the magic lies. I love uh, Sir Roger Bannister's quote. The late Sir Roger Bannister, the first person to break the four-minute mile, and uh, his quote was, a struggle gives meaning and richness to life. And of course, he was talking about his uh, pursuit of the world record in the mile and the incredible athletic accomplishments that he achieved. Uh, But he was talking about the enjoyment and the appreciation of the process rather than uh, this obsession with the end result and success and wealth and fame and all the things that have spun out of control in today's life. So let's think about, maybe grab a copy of Uh, Dr. Lustig's book, The Hacking of the American Mind. And you can learn how all these dopamine triggers that are uh, strongly driven by marketing forces, corporate marketing forces that seek to make a profit off of indulging our uh, consumption and entertainment needs. I'd much, much prefer, that is to say, uh, I'd much prefer writing a book, to watching a ton of shows on television, or even reading a bunch of books or a bunch of articles and information on the internet. At a certain point, uh, I start to feel that that burn deep inside where I wanna transition from information gathering stage to writing. And I kind of do this backwards at times where, you know, the proper way maybe to write a book is in the old days, it would go to the library, check out a stack of books, take notes, formulate a plan, formulate an outline. Uh, But a lot of times I purposely go backward where I will just get out of the, open up the file and start typing and start actually writing pages of the book before I properly know entirely what I'm talking about and then I will kind of back into my story after a bunch of stuff is written because I want to make it purposely hard out of the gate rather than sitting back in my relaxing chair and reading a bunch of stuff other people wrote that will help me uh, one day write the book. I'd rather kind of Uh, fact check after I uh, talk out of my ass and write a bunch of stuff and then realize, oh, I was off track a little bit here. These two books really told the story well and that I can correct and revise my work uh, as an editor, uh, having already written something that maybe came from the heart or came from my own uh, inference that uh, can be improved upon after I do the research. You get what I'm saying? And those are just little uh, tricks and devices to uh, try to continue to move forward with a manuscript project rather than get stuck. Uh, People call it writer's block where uh, they're just reading other stuff all day and they can't type on the blank screen. And that's never happened to me because of this strategy where I just start cranking away and writing down what what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and then uh, work through it later. Okay, so uh, the reward and the satisfaction of persevering through challenges by using skills that I've worked hard to develop, uh, that I think is the essence of a rich and meaningful life. And of course that comes from writing books and it comes in many other pathways too, especially uh, the pursuit of athletics and fitness goals. Oh my gosh, if it were easy uh, to jump over the high jump bar, it wouldn't be as fun as when I'm super frustrated out there and almost to the point of you know breaking down and screaming in the air, like why can't I get this technique attribute right? I've tried and tried, I'm watching the video, I'm cursing at the video of myself high jumping because my right leg is still dragging too low close to the ground and I can't seem to do it. Why is it that hard? And uh, boy, when you do finally make progress, it feels so good. So uh, look for difficult challenges in all areas of life. And paradoxically, that is going to be the path to more happiness and satisfaction. That's what things like the cold exposure is all about, right? And the people who are promoting that. It's like, what is uh, that crazy notion of jumping into cold water? And until you do it, and until you make it a habit, you won't realize uh, the, the, the richness and the value that it has, uh, and the great appreciation that you have for, let's say things like going straight from the, uh, the the cold plunge into, uh, the warm spa or the warm shower, right? So a little bit of a struggle and, um, challenge thrown in there, sprinkled into our comfortable modern life can pay great dividends. Uh, So back to uh, my, my daily routine and what's going on. I mentioned recording a podcast is door number one, or I'm uh, opening up the manuscript and cranking away and uh, working on actual writing. Uh, I'm also, Uh, doing things that you could call uh, business operations, working with the team. We got a lot of people involved in this podcast. I got a lot of other cool things going on, like the development of nutritional products and online educational courses. I'm working with the Primal Health Coach Company uh, right now as I record this in late 2021 on a top secret fitness project. It's gonna be super fantastic uh, doing things like redesigning the website, working with those professionals. So there's a lot of personal interaction uh, with other people that are uh, making a contribution. We're making a contribution together. And a lot of that comes through email, which is a fantastic mode of communication. I love it. I've been an incredible consumer uh, contributor with email for many, many years. Uh, I think it's a lot better than the phone because you can uh, kind of protect your productivity level of your day uh, better when everything's going over email, except for the truly important uh, phone calls. And so I'm trying to minimize that phone time during the workday to an absolute bare minimum And that has been a wonderful thing to open up uh, more productivity, less stress. Because again, when the phone rings, um, you are in reactive mode. Whatever you were doing, you have to kind of put down or you can ignore the phone call. But you know what I'm saying, how the phone can easily get you off track. Whereas email, at least you're still in the proactive mode. Uh, Unfortunately, it does leak into uh, the picture where... It's um, potentially diverting you from uh, getting into that uh, that you know that ninety minute zone that Dr. Huberman talks about, where you're in your intense concentration and pursuing the highest expression of your talents without interruption or without diversion of focus. So, if you can use it to your advantage, that's great. Um, if you can't, and this is what I'm copying to right now, uh, when that uh, window is open and somehow I flick over there, maybe it's because I uh, need to send something and so I want to compose a single email and ask a question to someone because it's relating to the book project that I'm working on right now. Uh, but guess what happens when you go over there and compose a single email? That's right. You're going to be looking at your inbox and responding to 10 exciting uh, new messages that have come through. So it requires uh, tremendous discipline uh, to avoid making email an energy drain and a place of constant potential distraction. I kind of like the idea that a lot of people advocate of batching your interaction with email. So you go on there uh, for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, and I've never really uh, executed that well myself for some reason, Uh, but it's one suggestion that uh, seems to make sense if you have that discipline and if it can fit with um, the workplace dynamics that you have, maybe people are waiting five hours for your reply, so that's not really going to work for certain people where the team is counting on you for a prompt response. Um, I also like, I also like the idea of striving to uh, maximize your efficiency with your use of email, uh, like concise answers, uh, having pre, Uh, pre-printed responses to things that come up commonly, right? If I get a bunch of questions about this or that, I'm going to paste in a prepared response, maybe edit it a bit from the template, uh, but that can be a really good time saver. I love how my friend Joe Ochoa, a super productive, fast-paced, hard-working guy, is very efficient with his email replies using the Uh, software tool Loom to deliver a video response to the email. So you can actually see um, a screen visual of him uh, pointing with a mouse at the stuff I wrote in this lengthy email, and he's just commenting on it uh, without having to lift a finger to type any keys. Uh, Greg Merrily of Studio One Designs, the people who redesigned my website in Australia, fantastic company. And that's how he communicates with his clients as well. He just uh, flicks on the camera and says, hey, here's what I think about the the last four emails that you wrote me. (laughs) So uh, people who are immersed in um, uh, a lot of back and forth, maybe think about uh, some of those tools. Okay, so that was uh, a look at the things I might be doing during my workday, right? Um, And I will admit to uh, fooling around plenty and uh, frittering away uh, time with this thing or that thing, especially doing stuff around the house. Maybe it's a micro workout. Maybe it's going and making a meal and oh, I should go make some more kombucha as well. So the quick snack or the quick meal turned into a longer period of time in the kitchen. Uh, But I also will... uh, admit that I'm totally dedicated to pursuing the highest expression of my talents, my gifts, my passions by creating content and and spreading that message. And so I love doing that. I love being productive. I love spreading the message. And I'm totally committed to the process such that even if no one listens, even if no one's out there uh, commenting or liking or buying the book, uh, it's still... That's my calling and I get great satisfaction from the process of uh, cranking out content in this example. And believe me, uh, this has been the case because I've written over 20 books at this point and a handful of them, no one's ever read. They were never published. It was just the journey of writing the book, uh, improving my skills as a writer. Uh, Some of the books we've had great success with and that's really nice to have a winner. Um, The Keto Reset Diet is still highly ranked on Amazon and one of the top selling uh, books on the ketogenic diet ever. And so that's been great. Uh, But boy, the people don't see the stuff that's sitting here uh, on my hard drive and, uh, you know, it never turned into uh, a winning project, um, but it's all good because it all contributes to um, that, that rich, meaningful, satisfying life. And so that's an important point because I think it's easier for us these days to work hard, try hard, uh, have big ambitions. Oh, we're doing a startup, we're building a new app, and then it fails, it tanks, something happens, and you're uh, depressed, discouraged and kind of into a rut because you didn't succeed on a material level or meet the expectation that uh, you thought. And I think we need to get out of that mindset uh, no matter what. So it's important to never get discouraged, but to continue to strive and try to uh, be the best you can be uh, regardless of the outcome and to release your the attachment of your self-esteem to the outcome of what you're doing. Um, I'm really enjoying how uh, some of the uh, leaders, cultural leaders, business leaders are conveying this idea more and more in recent years. And uh, a lot of times it might seem like Blather when you listen to a billionaire interviewed on the podcast and his main goal in life is to give back and see how he can be in service to others and all that great stuff. But then you start to realize that they really mean it and they believe it. And we've had kind of a transition uh, in the nature of the economy and society to the extent that you can actually uh, march through life with this goal of being in service to others and making a contribution and and giving and be rewarded for it in a way that maybe was more difficult uh, when the economy wasn't so um, a smart, intelligent, and uh using the internet to connect people. So uh, by that example, I mean, hey, look at these people on Instagram who are posting great videos every day about how to exercise. And these are some interesting techniques that you can use here and there. And everything's free. You never have to buy anything from them. But of course, people are going to drift over and uh, very likely purchase some of their Uh, for sale content. Uh, But that being said, boy, you can just spend the rest of your life on YouTube and become highly educated uh, without having to uh, participate in economic transaction. And that's really cool. Okay. So... Uh, On a good day, I'm creating content and I can uh, have something to show for at the end of the day. Uh, But typically what's happening at some level, either mild to severe, is I'm doing what my former podcast guest, Gretchen Rubin, called procrasticlearing. Hey, listeners, I discovered an awesome new electrolyte and triple enzyme powdered drink that's going to knock your socks off. It's called Bala enzyme and it comes in a convenient little pouch of bright orange powder that you pour into water for the ultimate electrolyte and antioxidant drink it's simple convenient and yes the orange tint comes from a potent serving of turmeric along with a clean and diverse assortment of enzymes and electrolytes and a perfect taste that's not fake or too sweet bala was created by husband and wife doctors to help their patients recover from inflammation improve hydration speed up recovery even relieve joint pain, improve digestion, and boost immunity. I love their incredible devotion to product quality. There's a lot of research behind it. And I just sprinkle this packet into ice water. And it's so easy to stay hydrated because you absolutely enjoy the taste of the drink. Get their convenient little packets. They even designed it with the, uh, the tear half torn so it's easy to open into the water. I love what they think of. And it comes in three exciting flavors, pineapple, lime, and berry. It's so potent, it might stain your fingers if you get it on your fingers. And yes, that's a good thing for a serving of turmeric that's that potent. It's also sugar-free, zero-carb, and promoting of the three R's, rehydrate, relieve, and revive. Please visit balaenzyme.com, B-A-L-A-E-N-Z-Y-M-E. And of course, there's a special deal for B-Rad podcast listeners. 30% 30% off your first order, just use the code B-R-A-D 30 at balaenzyme.com. Procrasticlear time. What that means, as you can guess from the term that she made up, is somehow getting your mind right, getting your mind clear so that you can immerse yourself into deep work. Uh, but it's kind of a little game that we play. I know it especially comes up for me when it's time to uh, get deep into the incredible challenge of working on a manuscript, is I will do other things instead in the name of clearing my mind and getting my my thoughts sorted out or my errands uh, knocked off before I start in with the book. So, oh yes, there's some travel plans to make, there's some bills to pay, there's some crap to buy on Amazon. Oh, and then there's this household chore because, Uh, it seems like it is time to vacuum. And then, and only then, will I feel uh, motivated and clear-headed enough to plunge deep in. Uh, I think... In a way, I'm not gonna beat myself up too bad over this. Maybe you can relate, maybe you do this yourself, uh, but I notice when I'm procrastinating extensively that finally, ultimately, uh, some pressure and some energy will build up internally to the point where I get a little chippy with myself going, all right, now come on, um, you've done enough chores, get your ass up to your screen and, and start in. And so whatever it takes to... Um, kind of create that pressure, that tension, and that motivation, that drive to get going, I'm going to accept that that's okay once in a while. And also, guess what? I got a lot of uh, organizing and paper shuffling and rearranging my, my desk, and now it, it does look cleaner and more tidy. And so it's not all lost. I wasn't frittering away time, uh, merely I- indulging in high jump videos on YouTube. Uh, but again, it's a little bit of a diversion technique that probably could be Cleaned up, or at least a careful watch uh, remaining on it so that the procrasticlearing does not get out of hand. I can't believe I pronounced that beautifully three times because a lot of times you can uh, try it yourself. Say it uh, three times out loud fast. Procrasticlear, procrasticlear, procrasticlear. Thanks, Gretchen. Okay, so now let's say a fairly productive morning has played out nicely and we're getting to midday and it's probably time to talk a little bit about food, right? We haven't mentioned that at all. We've just been working out, typing away, uh, de- dealing with the email inbox. So, uh, just as I mentioned with my six different workout options, Uh, My typical, quote unquote, typical day will actually be uh, an assortment of options. And there's a great deal of variability in my daily dietary patterns. And I want to put in a plug right now for that variability because I think it's really healthy to uh, be free from any addiction, compulsion, uh, and regimentation uh, when it comes to eating or when it comes to anything, really. I don't want to have to uh, create any... Um, uh, frustration or tension because my uh, eating habits have not gone perfectly according to plan. So I want to be open and flexible and realize that if you do the hard work, to become fat adapted that you don't have to rely on regular meals as we have been trained to our entire lives when we're immersed into that uh, high carbohydrate uh, dietary pattern where our primary source of energy is dietary carbohydrates rather than the Primary source of energy being stored body fat, which is ideal for human health and longevity. So that's the short, uh, the long way of saying that I don't really need food to start my day or even continue deep into my day. So that's one of the choices. Number one would be if I'm busy, if I'm uh, on the camera, on the microphone, and there's no break, uh, I'll have absolutely nothing until I'm. Uh, starting to build up hunger sensations eventually. And so once in a while, I will last until 1 p.m., 2 p.m., sometimes even later than that before I consume any calories. Uh, so that would be door number one is I'm just busy going with the flow. Who knows? Maybe I'm traveling. Uh, I jumped in the car for an early morning uh, car ride trying to beat traffic, and there's no uh, talk of, of food or meals until uh, deep into the afternoon. Uh, Mainly, I'd say this is probably the most common, is that I'm not sitting down to uh, big meals in the morning hours, but I am nibbling on my wonderful collection of dark chocolate. And so I will have some bites of dark chocolate here and there, uh, leading me toward a significant midday meal. So that would be door number two is the chocolate until lunch uh, strategy there. Uh, This is very common because I'm sitting here in my office doing work in the morning and the chocolate stash is uh, within arm's reach and it's delicious. And it does take the edge off of a complete and total fast, which in my personal case, I don't see that as a high priority Uh, my main focus here is on athletic performance as well as longevity and recovery from athletic performance and working out so with my body composition at the optimal uh, level and my blood work also looking good. My insulin fasting insulin was 2.3, which is very low. My triglycerides were 27, which is extremely low, possibly too low by some accounts. Chris Kelly mentioned this uh, on our interview, the Nourish Balance Thrive proprietor. And so I am not in that category where I'm going to accumulate a bunch of benefits or uh, Improve blood markers by engaging in uh, aggressive and extensive fasting. Um, so that's kind of changed some of my uh, my my habits and my approach in recent years. When I realize, look, my main thing as I head into um, you know the, um, the the later decades and the increasing importance of uh, promoting longevity is to. Uh, preserve lean muscle mass as I age and preserve athletic competency uh, more so than correcting my uh, my blood values or getting rid of my spare tire. So for others, um, fasting can be the incredible gateway to all kinds of metabolic health improvements. and so that could be uh, much more much more closely examined. Um, I end up fasting extensively anyway. Uh, A lot of times it's the uh, nibbles of dark chocolate until 12 noon with the previous meal being ended at 8 p.m. or so. And so that's uh, banking a lot of fasted hours anyway. Uh, But that brings me to uh, bullet point number three, which is my recent fascination and devotion to a super nutrition smoothie uh, sometime in the morning hours. And this is uh, what I consider to be a strategic ingestion of, uh, you could call it medicine. It's a dose of incredible nutrient-dense foods with the specific goal of improving my athletic performance and recovery and the nutritional quality of my diet. So I'm trying to maximize the nutrient density of my diet as my main dietary goal, as well as enjoy myself. But this smoothie preparation is contemplated to give me the maximum amount of nutrients I need in a very easy delivery form, uh, such that I'm not uh, sweating over uh, the perfect optimization of all these meals. And so what goes in there are frozen chunks of raw liver, raw eggs, uh, oftentimes duck eggs, the bigger ones, uh, some excellent protein powder, and then a concoction of different performance agents that I've been making myself uh, in consultation with some great experts uh, like Mark Sisson, Ben Greenfield, Paul Saladino. And so I throw in all these other agents, creatine, glutamine, things like that. And so it's all going into this uh, smoothie mixture. The base is typically raw milk, if I can find that at a good grocery store or one of the uh, almond or coconut milks. Uh, We'll go in there. Um, A little bit of uh, carbohydrate in the form of frozen banana or chunks of frozen papaya or mango. Uh, A lot of whey protein. Also some collagen protein. Uh, a whole bunch of ancestral supplements, pills, various different products, uh, starting with MoFo and including numerous other ones. So I'm taking extra prostate. I'm taking their new mineral compilation. I'm taking things like lung and trachea and just dumping it all in there rather than swallowing 24 pills. Just stick them in the smoothie container. Uh, I'm throwing in uh, cinnamon and vanilla to make sure the flavor is okay. It's still a very strong liver flavor because that's my main delivery vehicle for the most nutrient-dense food on earth, that is liver. Um, I'm not big on um, integrating into meals. I don't do a great job at that, but at least I'm getting uh, several ounces through the smoothie. And so again, this has been a devotion that's been only in the recent year or so, uh, but I think it's been working great for me to get all that nutritional density in and blend it up and drink that. And of course, it's extremely filling uh, when you heard what goes in there. And so that has kind of recalibrated my dietary needs for real food where I can actually uh, relax and not really have any hunger sensations until dinner time, uh, when I hit this thing hard uh, sometime in the late morning hours. Uh, that's not every single day, uh, but I'm getting better and better about that, especially in my particular uh, situation here where I'm trying for peak performance recovery and nutrient density so i'm going to strongly recommend it and as i told you i'm coming out with uh, a super fantastic protein super fuel product that will be the centerpiece of this smoothie Um, putting together all the stuff i do by hand into a single product Uh, so that would be Uh, choice number three that I mentioned the first one was absolutely nothing the second one was dark chocolate until a proper midday meal the third one was this uh, super nutrition smoothie and then the fourth one would be uh, describing when this proper lunch comes about and usually I'm very narrow in my food choices because I love every single day I'm like what should I make and I'm going to make eggs steak and the fried mini corn tortillas to wrap it up and send it down. Delicious. I put a little Cholula sauce on there, and oftentimes guacamole or avocado. I've taken pictures of these preparations on my Instagram, and you can see uh, some of the stuff I post there. They're pretty similar, right? So I'm not getting incredibly creative in preparing these gourmet meals. So that is the... uh, the food discussion getting us to midday. And we'll talk a little bit more about food when we talk about the evening meal. Uh, So that brings us into the afternoon hours. And I'm still trying to um, stay focused and productive. A lot of times things can throw me off such as a mere trip to the kitchen for a meal. And um, uh, especially if I'm having to run around somewhere outside, I'm, uh, as you can hear from the recording so far, uh, I'm trying to stay in the control tower, so to speak, and getting out and about and running errands. Uh, I absolutely despise it. It, it causes me uh, so much uh, a, a diversion from focus. And so I'm trying to uh, minimize my trips out into the world, especially, uh, for shopping and going to stores. That's why I'm so happy to be able to uh, shop on the internet and not have to be running all over town. Um, it's really hard for me to gain momentum after a binge of errands because guess what? Oh, what's near uh, the next errand, a golf course. Oh, right. I'm going to go hit some balls and there goes another 45 minutes. And, um, Uh, By the time I get back, uh, I'm maybe tired from running around town. And um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work great for me. So uh, when it's time to run around town, I really do like to uh, batch that. So I'll build up the pressure for days and days. And by the time, uh, you know, I'm I'm midway through the week, I haven't left the house yet. uh, Then I can go and do six things at once. That's great. And no discussion of the afternoon time block would be complete without mentioning the all-important nap. And I've definitely become a professional napper in my adult life. I think dating back to my days as a professional triathlete when I was training so hard that I absolutely positively had to go down for around two hours every afternoon uh, to absorb uh, all the workout stress and then get up again and have to go do another workout after the nap and boy those were tough days man that was that was a rough feeling when you wake up from that nap you feel a little groggy cuz 2 hours is a long duration for a nap realizing that i was still facing a swim workout that evening or a run or whatever was still left on the slate yeah those triathletes work hard i think harder as hard or harder than athletes in any other sport i'm going to put Tour de France cyclists up there i'm going to put the um, Boxers and MMA fighters and the diverse training they have to do. Uh, maybe a basketball player, especially at the NBA level where they're playing you know 82 or more games per year. What an incredible grind and the diverse athletic skills necessary to excel in basketball. Uh, but as far as pure uh, endurance training and getting out there and working hard in three different sports, uh, the triathletes are, are very impressive. I can't even believe uh, the regimen that I adhered to back then. So that nap is going to happen, I would say, the majority of the days of my life. Maybe it's uh, five days a week, I can't be sure. Uh, But I usually have fantastic benefits experience from even a very short duration nap. So I have no problem uh, fitting this into my schedule, so to speak. And I will go down for around 20 minutes, and I usually notice because I'm using the uh, the raindrops app on my iPhone uh, and it tells how long the rain has been falling. And so I realize that my nap was only 20 minutes, but I wake up feeling fantastic. And yes, indeed, I almost all the time actually fall asleep and, and go out as soon as I uh, close my eyes. And I think this has been from devoted practice and habit forming. I talk to so many people that say, oh, I, I can't relax, I never take a nap, um, and if I do, I just lay there and I don't fall asleep. And I think we have to give ourselves permission to go down for the nap Uh, Get a a beautiful environment where it's completely dark, ideally, and you have a white noise machine or things that unplug you from any potential disruption, even mild disruption, and then give yourself permission uh, to nap for as long as you need. Because I think one thing that messes us up is knowing that we only have uh, 30 minutes before uh, an important uh, engagement later in the afternoon. And we don't really relax fully or get into that parasympathetic state because our mind's racing about what's ahead. And so I never put a time limit on my nap. I will go down saying, hey, I'm going to sleep as long as I need. Usually it's that short duration of around 20 minutes and I will wake up feel fantastic and be raring to go and on occasion i will go down for longer and these are directly associated with things like uh, a high intensity workout earlier in the day or of course uh, traveling and adjusting to jet lag is going to uh, put you into a uh, deep napping mode where the time duration might be longer but it's rarely longer than 40 minutes Uh, Not that I have any aversion to taking a longer nap. My sister is a professional napper as well, and she will go for a marathon two-and-a-half, three-hour nap on the weekend because her sleep is compromised as a physician during the week. Uh, But that's not my case, right? I'm sleeping uh, in a very tight Uh, window every single night with extensive sleep uh, averaging around nine hours. So I don't have that intense need. Uh, But that uh, key napping period of 20 minutes, I feel like when I wake up, I'm vastly more productive and cognitively focused to the extent that it benefits my productivity rather than uh, gives me a check mark against it that I wasted 20 minutes of time in the afternoon. That's been strongly supported by scientific research and therefore I wanna give a very strong plug for taking that cognitive break uh, during the afternoon time when we have a natural lull in our circadian rhythm anyway and going down for a nap. Uh, now, during the uh, the warm summer months when it's possible to lay outside in the sun, I love that experience. Um, I'll get some good vitamin D production, some tanning going on, and it just feels nice to soak up sun as part of the nap. And so that period of time, I'll try to maximize that as much as possible. Or, so I'm either out in the sun, uh, of course, with a nice blindfold and my face covered from the sun because I don't want to get extra sun on my face. I don't need that. Uh, but I'll have the rest of my body exposed, laying there in a bathing suit, trying to maximize vitamin D production. So it's either out in the sun or it's pitch dark uh, indoor location. Because again, it's hard enough to uh, go down for uh, properly falling asleep during the day. So I think finding a dark spot is really great. And my recording studio is great for that because it's uh, pitch black even in the middle of the day. Okay, and then I'm working away, working away. Um, but the the afternoon is a really good opportunity to get sidetracked and allow your uh, your peak cognitive focus to drift a bit, and that definitely happens to me, especially if I'm engaged in prolonged. Uh, work time at the computer without taking little breaks for things like micro workouts or maybe uh, a a meal or some social interaction or something. And so if I'm cranking away, cranking away, I'm usually going to donate some of that time back uh, with a diversion. And it's often going over to uh, YouTube to look at high jump videos or uh, immerse deeper into click, click and learn more about the stats of one of the great jumpers. For example, did you know that the German Carlo Thronhardt holds the current master's world record in my age division of 55 to 59 in the high jump at a height of 1.9 meters? That's six feet five inches off the ground that is like a state finalist level high school varsity athlete high jumper and this old man in the 55 to 59 division uh, can jump uh, that incredible height and if you don't recognize the name guess what he is the number two jumper of all time indoors in the high jump with this height back in his prime uh, of 7'11". Ho, ho, ho. So uh, his attrition in 35 years from his prime into the master's division, he's about 20 inches shorter uh, than his all-time best. He jumped uh, 6'5 as an old man and 7'11 in his prime. And by comparison, uh, I jumped five feet in high school and was able to jump 5'4 at age 51, So not only has there been no attrition, I've gained four inches of positive improvement. Therefore, uh, I've kicked Carlo's ass in that department. So I got that to show for me. Not that I'm ever going to be able to jump 6'5 at the age of 55, and that record's held for a long time. So good for him. And it really is cool to see a former elite level, the highest level of elite performer continuing to enjoy his passion uh, 35 years later. So he must be doing a lot of things right. And that's a good example of uh, getting diverted. So here we are um, back with the show after that nice little high jump interlude. Um, one great thing to do in the afternoon is a little micro workout. So that'll get the blood flowing, the energy boosted again, uh, the cognitive folk function uh, back a little sharper. So if you can grab some time and go do a set of deadlifts or a set of pull-ups, or one thing I do is I just sprint up the flight of stairs any and every time I climb stairs throughout the day. So if I see a staircase, it's meant for sprinting up. And that's kind of fun. And it definitely breaks up the day. And then I don't mind going up and down stairs. I forgot something. I don't care. It's just another opportunity to attack the stairs. Um, I also find that if I'm really cranking, that my brain needs a break uh, over and above uh, the nap time. And one thing I'll do, especially on a cold day, is just jump in the hot tub and zone out for uh, anywhere from five to 15 minutes. And I think this is a uh, unique genetic particular to me that I need this brain break, uh, but I just can't sustain. Uh, that long-term, unbroken cognitive focus, I find that my brain will just fry. And I know Mia Moore's different. She can crank away for 12 hours straight, seemingly to no ill effects. Uh, but I'm sort of this crash and burn type of pattern where I can go, go, go. Maybe I'm getting some work, good work done on my manuscript but I will soon be found sitting in the jacuzzi just zoning out to kind of recalibrate. And so I gleefully take those opportunities to stay finely tuned and try to be aware of those times where the brain does need to turn off Um, I think we're so uh, bombarded with digital stimulation that we can kind of compromise these uh, precious moments that we used to have routinely. Uh, So when we were standing in line uh, at the bank or the grocery store or uh, sitting at a red light and zoning out, um, we don't have those anymore because now we're playing a podcast or um, doing something to uh, keep the brain constantly stimulated. And this uh, modern life is sometimes uh, overwhelming to me to where I'm just cooked out and I need to go zone out. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality, all natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need. To optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please Don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine. Are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean, and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews, or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the SuperFuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Okay, so that kind of covers the afternoon time. And now, as we uh, wrap up this whole thing, we have a few comments to make for the evening, and then we will uh, finish the, the journey around the clock. Okay, so by and large, I get all of my exercise working out done almost entirely in the morning hours, save for little bitty micro workouts that might happen throughout the day, except for that golden opportunity speed golf window, which is the final 30 minutes before dark. So if it's one of those days, I will rush over to the golf course and get there and head off to the tee Uh, right before dark to ensure that there are little or no golfers remaining on the course, especially if I'm starting on the front nine, right? Everybody's almost finishing before dark, Uh, but I can cover uh, nine holes easily in around 30 minutes. And so I can get a lot of golf in, in a short time and be back home before you know it in time for dinner. So I was doing this uh, incredibly frequently when I was obsessed with speed golf for many years. And then I went on this uh, cold turkey, 18 month Uh, Away from even swinging a club, don't ask me why. uh, And that's another personality attribute. Like, what are you talking about? This is I lived and breathed this sport for four years, and then I became totally obsessed and captivated uh, with high jumping and sprinting. And so, all of my athletic energy was devoted into uh, those workouts. Uh, to the extent that I just uh, needed a break from speed golf so I'm kind of uh, I guess that extreme personality type in certain ways where it was an all or nothing scene and uh, fortunately I've uh, returned to the golf course and rekindled my passion for the incredibly wonderful sport of speed golf partly uh, deliberately to balance my um my devotion to high jumping and sprinting because i keep getting injured from overdoing it so now i purposely threw a golf into the mix so that i'll have a little more balance with my workouts hey whatever works right okay so if i'm out there on the course I'll get a quick round in. I'll be back home. And then when we're talking about the dinner meal, uh, I think one of the um, adjustments with quarantine is the dining out is more seldom now. I think we've all had to adjust and... Uh, prepare more meals at home. And I do enjoy that because I feel like I can beat most restaurants with my home preparation in terms of food quality, uh, quantity, right? A lot of times I'm going to the restaurant, especially, uh, you know, a higher end restaurant where it's like, yeah, that salmon was really delicious, but it was about four or five ounces. I could easily eat two, maybe three of those. So at home we get to cook whatever portions we want. And usually from a superior quality raw material. I'm a big fan of ButcherBox and U.S. Wellness meat, so I get the very best uh, meat and animal products available. Uh, I love when the delivery comes every month, and I'm always stocked with great options for uh, home cooking. And it appears that my dietary choices have become uh, minimized and narrowed, and I feel like there's a lot of benefits uh, in that realm for me. It minimizes decision fatigue, it kind of streamlines meal preparation where I'll have a handful of go-to meals that are easy for me to prepare. I have the supplies right there. Uh, I think you get a inadvertent reduction in total caloric inca- intake, like Dr. Dom D'Agostino was uh, talking about with the ketogenic diet. Because you have all these restrictions, uh, you're not eating as much food. And that's why I've uh, joked at times about the the C&C diet that I've followed uh, to great success to drop excess body fat that that creeped on over time, uh, because I'm mainly eating a carnivore-ish style pattern along with dark chocolate, the C&C diet, yeah. So I have my go-to meals, um, steak, salmon, uh, not much turkey or, uh, or chicken anymore because they have an inferior nutritional profile to red meat. So I'm really loading up on the red meat, uh, grass fed beef from butcher box, different, uh, cuts like ribeye as well as ground beef uh, it's always wild caught salmon of course and i have this oxtail stew that i make is fantastic in the crock pot it lasts for several days i make huge portions and then the mini corn tortillas will often find their way into the meal and i pan fry those with delicious uh, first cold press extra virgin olive oil and i just kind of i could eat the same thing um, every day. As far as carbs, I'm getting a sufficient dose from uh, the incidental carbs found in dark chocolate uh, in my smoothie, as I mentioned, uh, with uh, those frozen fruit uh, opportunities going in there. And then frequently sweet potatoes or squash or things like that will be uh, participating in the evening meal. Uh, We're especially fond of these purple Okinawa-style sweet potatoes that are dark purple on the outside and dark purple all the way through the inside. Don't get confused by the ones that are uh, purplish on the outside and then light on the inside. And uh, we enjoyed these uh, on the big island of Hawaii. And now it's like they're hard to find in stores, but uh, delicious dark purple great uh, source of fiber and the uh, nutritious carbohydrate that can be a good addition to the diet if you enjoy them. And in my case, I feel like they help me uh, with recovering from uh, especially high-intensity exercise. So uh, my carb intake will be somewhat aligned with uh, the the training load uh, to the extent that I kind of naturally gravitate toward bigger servings uh, of carbs when I'm uh, in the aftermath of high intensity workouts. So that's kind of the home preparations. And then if we are dining out, I'm um, going to try places that uh, that I can't replicate easily at home, right? I think that's what dining out should be all about. So we'll definitely hit the happy hour sushi, um, the PF Chang's, the chain has a nice happy hour. And then uh, there's a guy that sets up Uh, a taco truck on the weekends making absolutely fantastic fresh made right there on the side of the road. You just pull over and order up. And he has some organ options too, like buche, cabeza, and tripe. Tripe is stomach, buche is uh, the throat, the cabeza is the brain, and making little tacos, mini street tacos out of that. Fantastic. Um, One key point that I'm trying to make here is that uh, I'm not on this uh, gourmet whirlwind mode where I'm slaving away on these exotic preparations. I'm keeping my general dietary patterns very simple. And there's a lot of fasting and meal skipping going on or odd timed meals going on. Sometimes I'll feel super hungry at 4 p.m. I'll cook up an entire pound of ground beef, uh, throw some other stuff in there, maybe some eggs, uh, the, the mini corn tortillas, of course. I'll eat a ton at that time of day. And then the rest of the night will kind of drift away into <laughs> maybe some dark chocolate and And maybe the occasional bowl of popcorn that I've talked about so many times, including the entire show titled The Fatty Popcorn Boy Saga. So what I don't need is this uh, constant uh, requirement for indulgence and entertainment and knocking my socks off with amazing meals. Um, nor do I need to sit down in a regimented manner in the morning, in the midday, and in the evening. And so I think this is an opportunity for all of us to reflect on how we have this constant potential for dazzling cuisine and instant gratification. I mean, it's a huge industry, right? You can uh, drive down the road and find 100 restaurants within miles of your home. Uh, we can also order up and push the button and get any kind of food we want delivered to the home. And so I think there's a place in life for indulgence and the experience of uh, uh, a beautiful cuisine, Uh, mainly going hand in hand with traveling would be uh, something that comes to mind. Uh, But in day-to-day life, uh, I'm second guessing that need to be constantly wowed and uh, indulged by every single meal. And so instead... Uh, of course, I want to enjoy what I eat and, and avoid things that I, I don't enjoy, uh, but I'm mainly focused on uh, in- increasing the nutrient density of my diet. So I'm picking stuff that tastes good and uh, offers a lot of nutritional benefit, uh, like the smoothie that I mentioned earlier. And so uh, when I look at the things I enjoy the most and have high nutrient density, that's where I get this CNC pattern of uh, the animal-based meals and the dark chocolate. And please go to my website, bradkearns.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, click, and you can download the Carnivore Scores Food Rankings Chart, where Kate Kretzinger and I, the co-creators of this wonderful chart, uh, provide a tiered system that you can observe at a glance, tape the piece of paper, uh, print out the PDF, tape it to your refrigerator, and you can strive to uh, emphasize the foods that are in the higher tiered rankings. For example, uh, the lauded uh, superstars in in food, the highest nutrient-dense foods in the world would be liver, oysters, uh, salmon eggs, and then we have up high ranked are the other organ meats, uh, grass-fed beef, oily cold water fish, pasture-raised eggs, and so on down, down the tier. We have a whole bunch of approved plant foods that have high nutrient density and minimal concerns with plant toxin reactivity. So things like avocados, uh, raw honey, um, the, um, the fresh fresh berries, things like that. And so if you just look at this chart, you can kind of get into a good rhythm of including uh, super nutritious foods that you enjoy, and having these nutrient-dense meals that give you incredible pleasure and also uh, high satiety. So when you're eating rich meals that have high nutrient density, you automatically have higher satiety levels. I love this argument presented by Dr. Robert Lustig and others. Uh, but Lustig describing it on my show that it's virtually impossible to accumulate excess body fat over time if you are eliminating processed foods and eating only or uh, predominantly nutrient dense foods. I think we can all relate to this. Have you ever been to the omelet bar and felt stuffed and terrible because you overate? You had three omelets instead of two or you ate too many steaks at the steakhouse. These occasions are uh, far less common than overeating with the potato chips and the ice cream and the nutrient deficient food. Um, Dr. Ted Naiman, who was a guest on the show, and William Shufeld, also a guest on the show, uh, together they wrote this wonderful book called The PE Diet, The Protein to Energy Ratio Diet. You can find it on Amazon. And uh, Dr. Ted describes... Uh, really nicely on our show how um, the, the protein the protein lever theory, I believe it's called, whereby uh, the brain and the appetite and satiety receptors in our bodies are calibrated to uh, compel us to consume calories until we meet our daily average protein requirements because protein is the essential survival macronutrient, right, so that's what we really strongly desire in order to survive and support general everyday body function. So if we are consuming a bunch of nutrient deficient processed foods, especially the pairing of carbohydrate and fat together, as you see in all manner of indulgent foods, if you think about what ice cream is, cheesecake, uh, uh, pasta with uh, meat sauce on it, uh, all the pairings, right? Uh, Bread and butter, for example, and, and so on down the line. If we consume a lot of those foods that are very low in protein, we're going to continue to eat them and eat them and eat them because we have not yet met our protein needs. In contrast, if we emphasize protein in the diet and we have meals like the omelet or servings of oily cold water fish or steak and things like that uh, in in, um, good quantity, uh, we're going to feel completely satisfied because we have met our survival needs and it's going to turn off those uh, appetite receptors that compel us to go looking for sweets. Uh, really interesting concept, and it's nice to see like protein kind of emerging at the forefront again as a popular dietary trend, especially because for a while there, uh, the experts were warning us against consuming excess protein uh, because it could advance the uh, growth factors in the bloodstream and increase risk of cancer, and now a lot of this has been uh, strongly refuted and de-emphasized that the body can do just fine even when consuming what uh, was previously consumed considered to be uh, too much protein. So I think a final note here I should mention is that uh, as I tone down my fascination for uh, creating exotic desserts, even the healthy keto-approved ones, uh, once in a while, sure, fun, but when you start to get deep into this stuff and, and overdo it, um, it kind of turns into a habit. Of course, this stuff tastes good and gives you pleasure. But I'm going to vote here and, and and declare that it feels much better to live life at 162 pounds than it did at 172 pounds, as I describe in that fatty popcorn boy saga uh, podcast episode, where I just allowed little leakages and loosening up of the reins here and there, especially with the evening popcorn binge. To the extent that I was walking around, uh, still at a healthy body weight, no doctor or uh, medical professional is going to be concerned, but it was a difference, especially for someone who's interested in athletics, uh, particularly high jumping, jumping off the ground is a little easier when you have 10 pounds less of body fat. And I thank so much my uh, private high jump coach that I've met here in Sacramento, the former Olympic triple jumper, uh, Victor Sotnikoff, uh, when we met on the very first day, when I was so excited to find an actual Olympian and long-time elite level coach available for hire that could help me with my high jump. And I walked out to the track, we met, and I was so enthusiastically telling him about my training regimen. And yeah, I used to be a triathlete, and now I like doing this stuff, and this is how I work out. And he said, so are you going to reduce your body weight? I said, uh, I guess so, if you say so, coach. And that was a nice uh, wake-up call. Of course, why wouldn't that be one of the major variables when you're talking about jumping higher off the ground? Okay, so when it is time to indulge, I don't wanna sound like a spoil sport here, Uh, But when it is time to indulge, make sure that you enjoy the crap out of it and that your choices are extremely precise and high-minded and indulgent and celebratory. So on those hot summer nights, when we feel like driving across town to get to the homemade ice cream uh, store and wait in line like everybody else and have it be this uh, celebration, this special event in the community, or when we're traveling to Seattle, land of the wonderful hand made ice cream shops, of course, you're going to find me there in line ordering up big servings, enjoying the heck out of it, but then recalibrating to more of a streamlined, uh, basic starting point of go-to meals that are nutrient dense and not necessarily uh, super duper indulgent. Okay, now we're getting into the evening hours. What's going on? What about your evening leisure time? Well, Yes, indeed. I enjoy visiting, socializing, uh, maybe watching uh, some of our favorite shows. I'm very particular with my entertainment choices, so uh, it has to be good or great. Otherwise, I'm just not interested. And especially, I feel like my brain's tired in the evening, so uh, engaging in more screen, uh, a lot of times it's overwhelming to me, and I just need to chill out and go sit in the jacuzzi. I love taking my dog for a, a pretty lengthy walk. Uh, in the evening, and uh, it's you know giving her the best life possible, uh, including the the morning outing as well. So. Uh, the other thing i have to mention is that uh, if i had been goofing around sufficiently during the day i'm often compelled to catch up and so i wish i could say it's always evening leisure time but a lot of times i'm sitting there with the computer on my lap because i was out there playing speed golf uh, before dark and in the winter time that means i'm departing from the workplace at a uh, uh, 4 p.m or 4 15 so that's pretty early uh, pretty early knockoff time or if i've been working out a lot in the morning sometimes those uh morning session morning exercise session high jump session uh coming back recovering making the smoothie and then i'm starting work really late and so i'm on the catch-up mode in the evening and uh that's okay I'm, i'm okay uh controlling my own destiny here and i'm not complaining about it so uh speaking of good shows Curb your enthusiasm. Hard to top that one. Uh, watching office reruns with my daughter. The ultimate office aficionado. Uh, of course, a movie. A carefully picked movie. Uh, enjoying the morning show with the great actors involved there. Uh, everyone's telling me I should watch this show Ted Lasso so I finally gave it a look and we loved it Uh, one thing I especially like about that is there's so much programming that's of this high intensity extreme emotion extreme drama like someone's life is really screwed up and we're going to watch them go and commit a bunch of crimes or whatever it is and it seems like there's too much programming uh, that bends in that direction and I think it has high shock value to the audience it draws you in uh but i'm tired of watching that crap and so watching this guy with this ultimate positive attitude and positive energy yeah it's really fun and i think we uh we need more of that like lower shock value uh you know destruction of society type uh programming that you know the murders and the investigations and all that stuff um it goes on enough in real life, huh? So that's my vote for uh, more lighthearted stuff. <laughs> I guess the uh, the comedy stuff like Curb Your Enthusiasm in the office would fall in that category too. So there you go. There's my preferences. And then as we get near the uh, end of the clock, the bedtime ritual, um, you know what? I seem to uh, go down on cue really easily so my incredible devotion to grabbing the orange lenses or spending the last hour by candlelight or taking a warm bath, like Ariana Huffington recommends to wind down. I wind down with the snap of the fingers. So I don't have an intense need to wind down. Uh, those of you who have trouble winding down, yeah, let's try a bunch of stuff, including um, a 30 second cold shower or uh, turning off the screen early. Uh, but a lot of times the screen will be the last thing I do, which is exactly what I don't recommend. Uh, but I have no problem doing it. So I'm, I'm giving myself a little bit of leeway there. Uh, same with Mia Moore, even to more extreme. She will uh, flip off the, uh, the mobile device, uh, roll over and go into uh, hibernation mode uh, for the next seven or eight hours, no problem. And so right around 10 p.m. is when uh, the dim light melatonin onset uh, floods my system big time and I start to become non-functional really quickly. I'm just uh, ready to go down and I fall asleep uh, with no problem. So I'd say the lights out are almost always uh, around 10.30 p.m. with very minimal standard deviation from that 10.30 p.m. lights out. And then as I described before, that's gonna get me up uh, around 7.30 a.m. for a nine hour stint, maybe um, longer than that uh, coming off of uh, days of uh, intense exercise. And of course the seasonal variation that I talked about in show number one and my bedtime habits are very particular and prickly has to be just right. I can't have any darn noise in the room <laughs> or any light whatsoever. Uh, so even with a blindfold, I can I can sense, I have a sixth sense uh, that uh, someone is up messing with their tiny little screen with a little tiny bit of light emitting into the room. And um, it, it kind of throws me off. So a hey, warning right there, okay? Uh, so I am wearing the blindfold. I'm trying to create a room that is completely dark as dark as possible. Uh, We're always running the essential oils. I like things like cinnamon, lemon, eucalyptus, just for my favorite smells. I can't smell very well, so I need really strong, and I put in like way more drops than necessary. Sometimes I'll burn out the motor accordingly and have to get a new essential oil diffuser. Uh, I have white noise going both with the chili pad uh, you have a choice to have the chili pad operating on silent, or it can put out some pretty nice white noise. And I have a HEPA filter. It's a combination air filter and deionizer in the room that's cranking on high. Uh, if I do have to get up in the middle of the night, uh, I have a red uh, hued flashlight instead of uh, instead of uh, white, because uh, we don't want any of that interference in the middle of the night. And yeah, I admit that I have to get up and pee in the middle of the night. Dr. Phil Maffetone doesn't like it. He says that's a sign of... Uh, adrenal stimulation. And Dr. Huberman on his show says, no big deal. He does it too. Uh, So I don't know what to make of that. Uh, But I I wish I didn't have to. Uh, But that's sometimes the way it goes or frequently. Uh, But again, I go back to sleep, no problem. So Uh, I'm glad to report all that. Maybe I'm just lucky, but I'm also going to attribute this to uh, living a healthy, active lifestyle, making good dietary choices, good exercise choices. And so um, that's pretty boring. No big drama to report on uh, going to sleep, staying asleep and waking up. And that takes us around the clock. And if you haven't listened to episode one, hey, if you listen to this one first, go back and I'll start that episode with waking up in the morning, fun times. Uh, I so enjoyed sharing my day with you. Who knows, maybe in five years, I'll do a, uh, an updated show with uh, differences, but I don't think so because I love everything that's going on and um, continue planning on continuing and just getting better, especially on that focus part. I would love to hear from you with your feedback, comments and sharing your own experiences and we'll have good content to do a a QA show in the future, uh, perhaps. So uh, share with us at the email address, podcast at bradventures.com. And if you like this show or others, hey, click a button on your podcast player and share it with someone that you think might enjoy it. That helps us so much. I love my Overcast podcast app, where uh, I can push a single button and prepare a um, a, a clip. Uh, of what I'm listening to right at that moment. And it can extend up for 90 seconds. And so uh, you like something, you push the button and you send a text message to anybody you want saying, hey, listen to this clip and you might wanna listen to the whole show. Uh, I hope you can do that with other apps, but of course you can always uh, share a link to uh, the podcast or the podcast episode with other people and leaving a review also helps so much. On Apple Podcasts or Overcast or wherever you consume podcasts. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you a true story about the super awesome Paleo Valley Superfood Bars. And I can't believe I'm promoting an energy bar because I literally took a 17-year break or so from eating a single bar. That's because I've eaten plenty in my day. Back when I was a triathlete, I was sponsored by the original big-name bar makers, and I used them for so many years on long bike rides and then leaking into my life as a daily habit. But guess what? Most energy bars, even today, as we evolve and have better product selection in in so many ways. Most energy bars contain as much sugar as a candy bar, and even the high protein bars have lots of sugar and usually an inferior quality protein. Paleo Valley bars, on the other hand, are free from added sugar or processed sugar and have an assortment of bonus ingredients like grass-fed beef bone broth protein for your collagen needs, a blend of nutritious plant-based ingredients like pumpkin seed, kale, broccoli, spinach, blueberry, spirulina, cherry, turmeric, ginger, Himalayan pink salt, and very importantly, the product is cold-processed. It's hard to use the word superfood unless it's deserved, and it really is deserved with this product. I get a distinct sensation of feeling satisfied and nourished after eating a Paleo Valley bar, and it lasts for hours. And let me tell you, these bars are the real deal. They've been rigorously taste-tested by Brad Kearns himself on my epic 22-mile Cactus to Clouds hike back in October, where I ate five bars in a single day while hiking the single most difficult hiking trail in the United States in Palm Springs. Paleo Valley Superfood Bars actually taste great all day long because they're not overly sweet, and they're filled with those healthful ingredients that give you true satisfaction. Hey, go try some out. What do you have to lose? Paleovalley.com. Take that 15% discount with the code BRAD15.